In your Bibles, if you brought a Bible with you this morning, we're going to be in Acts chapter 13. Out of curiosity, I've been saying in your Bibles for probably about 40 years, I'm curious how many people still use a Bible like this with pages in it? Oh, oh my, okay, in your Bibles then, okay, Acts chapter 13. How many people use their phone or some other device? Okay, about split down the middle. How many don't use either? You just watch the screen. Okay, that's fair. That's why it's up there. That's why it's up there. Uh, Acts chapter 13. Um, we're going to be reading in just a moment about the work of the Spirit in the early church. And because it's instructive for us, it's about the work of the Spirit in our church as well. And uh, these are in verses, uh, starting in verse 1 and going down to about verse 12 or so. But before we do that, let me just give you <clears throat> a little bit of context of um, chapter 13. In the beginning of chapter 13, um, Paul and Barnabas are being set aside for the work of God that, that he's called them to. So it begins that way, and then in verse 4, they leave for Cyprus to do work in Cyprus, and they're there for quite some time, and we'll read that this morning as well. Then after leaving Cyprus, they go to uh, Pisidian Antioch, which is essentially in the center of Turkey, and they leave the island of Cyprus, sail north, uh, land in Turkey, and then move to the center, and they begin a ministry there where Paul preaches and takes up really the largest portion of chapter 13 uh, with his preaching to the uh, Turkish people of that time, at least. And then the chapter ends with the response of the people to the, Lord, to, uh, the Lord's ministry through Paul. And I think this is very instructive for us, too, because there were many, it says, that were begging them to come back on the next Sabbath and preach again. And so, it goes right from that to the next paragraph where it says, so on the next Sabbath, Paul and Barnabas were preaching and all the city turned out to see them. I thought, well, how much fun would that be? That would just be a lot of fun. Uh, but then you read on a little farther, there was also these agitators that didn't like Paul and Barnabas. And uh, ultimately, they end up driving them out of, the, out of the area because of so much persecution that they... Um, had towards Paul and Barnabas. So I thought, isn't that just like the, the work of God? Isn't that just like the ministry? Is that there are times when we can have impact, such great impact, people just rejoice, and there's other times that the world just shakes their head at us and, you know, what, what on earth are you doing? So Paul is in this situation. So it begins in Acts chapter 13. I want to read those verses to you, and then we'll pray this morning, and then we'll get started. Uh, so Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Now there were at Antioch in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simon, or Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucas from Cyrene, and Manion, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then they had, when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. 
So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they reached Salamis, which is another city in Cyprus, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they also had John as their helper. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, again, still in Cyprus, but now in Paphos, they found a magician, a Jewish false prophet, whose name was Bar-Jesus, or Son of Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence. This man summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God, but Elymas, the magician, for so his name translated, was opposing them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze on him and said, You who are full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? How many times have I wanted to say that? (laughs) Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and see the sun and not see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist of darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had happened, being amazed at the teaching of the Lord. Let's pray together. So Lord, we want to say thank you first of all for protecting your word these thousands of years so that we could look into it today, so that we could hear from you in this way, here in this year, in this day, and this time with these people. Lord, we believe that you have providentially um, caused this to occur. So Lord, we just say thank you for the things that you have planned to speak to us today. Lord, may we simply be instruments of your grace, Lord, as you minister in these next few moments. And Lord, I want to pray specifically for those that have come this morning that are just cold. They're just cold and they just need something from you. Lord, would you meet them? Would you surprise them in this place this morning? Maybe they're here just because they got an invitation. Lord, would you meet them this morning? Would you surprise them with your goodness, your closeness, your mercy? Lord, would you do that? And Lord, we're praying too for those that have come ready. They are charged up. They are expectant. Lord, may they receive all that they've desired and all that you have planned for them this morning. And then finally, Lord, for those this morning that have, it's just been a hard chore to make it this far. It's just been hard to get all the kids together to get into this place. It's been hard to to, uh, motivate themselves to come, but they are here, Lord. I'm praying that you would breathe upon these in a special way, Lord, that they would leave different when they came. They would be encouraged and you would speak life into them in the name of Jesus. So Lord, let us all be touched. Let us all be transformed from being in your word and in your presence. And we just pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So, We see the Holy Spirit working in a number of ways in the book of Acts. Some have called this the Acts of the Holy Spirit, not the Acts of the Apostles, but Acts of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is obvious on every page, and hence the title for this series. But the Spirit is very obvious in three ways this morning, and I want to point out to you because I think it's instructive for us today. The Spirit still moves in these very same ways. So the first thing I want to point out to you is that the Holy Spirit speaks. 
Uh, reading here in verse 2, it says this, While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I've called them. First off, we see right away that the Spirit speaks. It made me think how oftentimes in the Scripture the Lord speaks to His people. In fact, He speaks in a number of ways. He speaks through visions. He speaks through dreams. He speaks from a voice from heaven. He speaks through an angel of the Lord. He speaks in providential means, bringing certain circumstances together for His purpose. The Lord speaks in a number of ways to get our attention. The Lord also speaks through His Son, Jesus Christ, and through His written Word. It makes me think of of this uh, story I heard of a a young believer coming to a pastor and saying, saying, Pastor, I want to hear the Lord speak. And the pastor says, well, read your Bible. He goes, no, 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 no. I want to hear Him speak aloud. And the pastor says, well, read the Bible aloud, you know, you know. In this book, this 98% of what we ever know of the Lord is going to come right here from this book. That's where it's going to come from. I believe in Revelation. I believe God speaks to us today. I believe God reveals himself to us in, in many, many ways. But most of what we learn about him is going to be right here in this book. So God speaks to us through his word. But God also speaks to us by His Spirit in very specific ways. For example, when God spoke to Noah about building the ark, He was very, very precise about this ark. This ark was going to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits high, and 30 cubits wide. I might have the 30 and 50 mixed up. But it's going to be a big boat, and it's going to be very specific. And it was supposed to be made out of gopher wood. Why gopher wood? I'm not sure. And even on the size of the windows in the ark, God spoke the size of the windows. So God speaks very specifically. I thought, too, of Moses and the laws of the covenant that he, that he received from the Lord. I mean, these things are very, very specific. And then he gives them all the... All the uh, dimensions of the uh, um, tabernacle. You know, all the colors, all the different materials, all the, the, the gold and silver and all this that was to be used. I remember years ago when I was first got in ministry, my, my pastor at the time, he did, a, he did a teaching on the tabernacle. Seemed like it lasted for eternity, but I mean, in this, in this teaching, he talked about all the different colors and all the, you know, what this meant and what this meant and what this meant, you know, sort of thing. That was all revealed by the Lord. Very specific details. Again, we see in the book of Acts the same thing. In fact, there's a couple of verses right nearby the one we read, um, if I can find them. Oh, here's, here's Ananias receiving a word from the Lord. It says this, And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to a street called Straight. So first of all, get up. Secondly, go to a particular street, Straight Street, and inquire at the house of Judas. So get up, go to a street called Straight, and then inquire at the house of Judas. He's narrowing it down. But he goes on. 
for a man from Tarsus. Okay, I'm getting up, I'm going, I'm, getting, I'm, 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 I'm looking for Tarsus, man from Tarsus. And he has seen a vision, he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him that he might regain his sight. That is very specific. That is more than just an impression of the Holy Spirit or a check in our spirit. That God is speaking very specifically. In fact, right across the page, there is the story of Cornelius, who received a detailed vision instructing him to dispatch men to a particular city, that was Joppa, to Simon's house, and that man would be Peter. Just very specific instructions. In the same way, God still speaks to his church today. God still speaks to his people. He speaks often. All we can tell from Scripture is that God speaks often. I mean, it's, it's, Scripture is over many, many thousands of years, and so it's hard to tell sometimes. But at least in Scripture, God is speaking very, very frequently. He's not only speaking often, he's also speaking very specifically and clearly. There come clarion words from the Lord spoken to his people. And then thirdly, with great detail. Guys, I only say all this to say is that we can expect to hear from the Lord. We can expect to be spoken to by him more than just an impression or just a sense or just a feeling. I mean, those things are good. God directs in those ways as well. But I want you to know that God's desire is to communicate with you by his Holy Spirit. That's his desire. And he has something for you. Well, Greg, I just don't, I just, I just don't operate that way. I just don't hear him. I think you could actually hear him better if you focused in just a little bit. In fact, I would dare say that when you're in this place right here, you hear him a little bit more. You hear him speak into your heart. You hear him speak into your soul. In fact, there's a hint here in the verses I read to you that gives us kind of the background of the Lord speaking. It says, now there was at Antioch, the church... Uh, they were there with prophets and teachers, Barnabas and, and uh, Simeon called Niger, and goes on a little bit. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me. I've always kind of thought and wondered about that term, ministering to the Lord. Because I thought if we could ever understand what it meant to minister to the Lord, that'd really be helpful for us in the 20th century. Because here's the first century church meeting together. And they were ministering to the Lord. But after I thought about that for a time, I saw a bunch of clues in this area of what was going on in that particular service. First of all, there were prophets and teachers there. So there was probably some prophesying that was being done, hence the Holy Spirit speaking, set aside Paul and Barnabas for me. There was probably some teaching that was being done. There was obviously prayer and fasting. And although it doesn't mention uh, singing here, we know from 1 Corinthians 14 that the early church also sang hymns when they were together. So there's this singing and there's this prophetic words and there's this teaching and there's prayer and fasting and there's all these things. This is how the early church connected with the Lord. 
And out of this meeting, now the New International Versions translate ministering before the Lord as worshiping before the Lord. The word is actually a Greek word where we get our word liturgy, believe it or not. And so it's that idea that they were ministering before the Lord, worshiping before, doing these, these acts of service, acts of ministry before the Lord. And it's out of this that the Lord speaks. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, not right now, but at a later, later point. <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. Does not the Spirit speak more when we're in His presence? Absolutely. And so the key for us is to be in His presence so that He can speak to us. That when we draw close and we come near, when we're in His presence, worshiping and praying and fasting, the Spirit of the Lord speaks into our lives. So I would encourage you, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't wear that, that moniker that says, well, that's not the way I am, and that's not, that God doesn't speak to me that way. I remember hearing a pastor say once, the Lord only spoke to me once, and that was when I got saved, and He hasn't spoke to me since. I'm like, hmm. I think he speaks more than that. I, I wonder if you're listening, you know. It is true that we hear from different sources. There's a human spirit within us. There's also the evil spirit, obviously, and then the Holy Spirit. But I think we can discern the voice of the Lord in our lives. Let me just give you three ways that we can more easily discern the voice of the Lord in our lives. In human speech, there's often uh, three parts to human speech. That would be a character of the speech, the style of the speech, and the content of the speech. So I'm talking about character, style, and content of speech. First of all is the character of speech. I know the Lord can interrupt in a moment. I've seen it done in my life. But when the Lord speaks, there is a certain awesomeness to it. There is a certain weight, not a heaviness, but a certain a seriousness, a certain authority that the Lord speaks with, that when He speaks, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is the Lord. Although this happened many years ago, this is, this is one time where this happened so clearly, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt it was the Lord. So I'm praying, and not in this church, it's in another church that I served in, and I'm praying because I'm, I'm just lamenting that we're not seeing in our church the miracles that I read about in the Bible, and I'm just lamenting to the Lord, and I'm walking back and forth in front of the, in front of the platform in our church. No one else is there. It's just me, and I'm walking back and forth, and I'm, I'm praying, and I'm just calling out to God, and as I'm calling out to God, I, I start waxing eloquently, and, and I'm praying, and I'm saying, where is the God of Abraham? Where's that God that, that undertook so mightily for Abraham, bringing him from a faraway country and preserving his family and all this? Where's that God? Where's the God of Moses that delivered uh, the Israel, uh, uh, um, Israelites? Israelites. <laughs> delivered the Israelites. Where's that God? And... Uh, I went through a couple more, and finally I got to Elijah. Where's the God of Elijah? You know, that sent 
fire down to the earth, consume the sacrifice. Where is that God? And as I'm waxing eloquently in this prayer to the Lord, the Lord interrupts, says these words. Well, where are the Elijahs? And where are the Abrahams and where are the Moseses? Guys, I knew in a second that that was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. It came with such weight and such force and such authority, I knew that was the Lord. The Lord speaking into our life has a certain character. It has a, it has a certain character. Secondly, it has a certain style. My wife and I have lived together now, I think, over 40 years. Yes, over 40 years. The Holy Spirit just prompted me, don't blow this, Greg. <laughs> I know how many years exactly, I'm just not saying. I'm kidding, I don't think I do know how many years. My wife can cough in a grocery store four aisles over, and I know who it is. I mean, I know, I know, even, even without saying a word, I know that that's her, just by the sound that she's making. There is a certain style in our speech that if we wrote out our words, uh, people would be able to identify us as, hey, that's, that's my husband saying that, or that's my child saying that. In the same way, there is a style of speech that the Holy Spirit uses that's very winsome, that's, that's convicting but not condemning, that's, that's peaceful and, and not abrupt but very gentle. When I think of this, I always think of Pastor Tom who's so passionate in his words and I, I joke with him from time to time because it doesn't matter if Pastor Tom is winning at a board game or giving an announcement or preaching God's word. It's always very passionate. And, and I, 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 I'm sure, even if the words were unintelligible, that I would know this is Pastor Tom speaking. It's a certain style. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit has a certain character and has a certain style. And here's the last thing. So we got character, style, and then we have content. Content. So I know there are people in my life, when I talk to them, what we're going to talk about. There are some people that I'm close to that I know when I talk to them, we're going to talk about hunting. Especially this season, this time of the year, is that we're going to talk about hunting. I know other people, I talk to them, we're going to talk about cars. Or other people are going to talk about construction. These, these type of things. I also have a friend that every time we're together, we talk about Jesus. I love that guy. We always end up talking about Jesus, sharing Jesus stories, what Jesus is doing in our, doing in our lives. In the same way, the Holy Spirit speaks with certain content. Content that matches the Word of God found in the Bible. Not something contrary to the Word of God. The Spirit will never speak contrary to the Word of God. If you are receiving a word contrary to the Word of God, it's probably from the evil spirit or from the human spirit. 
It's not from the Spirit of God. It's not from the Holy Spirit. It has to line up with the Word. And if it lines up with the Word and the character is true and the style is true, then you know you're hearing from the Lord. And so let me encourage you, press in just a little bit. Press in to listen to the Lord. Get alone with Him in a quiet place or a worshipful setting and listen for Him to speak. So first of all, the Lord speaks. The Lord speaks, had spoken to them, uh, and the Holy Spirit will speak to us as well. I believe every day. Secondly, the Spirit separates and sends. The Spirit separates and sends. Reading on in verse 2 and 4, or 2 through 4. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. My point here, the Spirit separates and sends. First of all, the Spirit separates or in my Bible translated, sets aside. When I'm looking for a snack, I go to this trail mix stuff, you know, with the nuts, raisins, M&Ms. In fact, I asked my wife, could you, could you buy like an extra bag of M&Ms? Because those things never have enough M&Ms in them. So she buys an extra bag, and then I'm, I'm putting extra M&Ms in my trail mix. I tell her it's a healthy snack. She says, I don't think so, Greg. <laughs> so I snack on, these, on this trail mix, but there's something in the trail mix I don't like. Everybody knows what it is. Almonds. Almonds. I'm not going to make a big deal about this, but I don't like Almonds. So they're hiding out in that little handful I put in my hand, and so I just kind of separate them out. I pick those things out, and I throw them in the garbage. Yeah. And then I eat the ones that I really like. You know, I eat those. and Because the almonds aren't any good. But I'm not going to make a big deal about it. Or, like my granddaughter, Violet. She was going to save up, not save up, but, yeah, save up, and win me um, a, um, a backpack, an insulated backpack. It's like wearing a cooler on your back. Very, very stylish, I might add. Uh, it, and these, these, these drinks I, I, I drink, are, it's called Vita Ice. Maybe you've heard of it. And, uh, and the top, they were playing this little game where you could save these tops and win these things. And so Violet said, Papa, I want to I wanna win you... Um, you know, this backpack thing. So she started saving the caps. But you know how it is. Sometimes you get caps that don't, that don't, you know, they're not ones for the game and stuff. So I'd take all these caps and I'd throw them into a drawer to save them for her. And she would come over and enter them into the computer, you know, and, and, and uh, uh, save these things up. Incidentally, I did get my insulated backpack. And it is very stylish. Uh, and, uh, but these caps, when I take these caps out, I'd have to separate out the ones that that weren't of value, and separate the ones that were of value to the side and then throw those other ones away. Paul says it like this to Timothy 
In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared for every good work. Paul and Barnabas were being separated for a special work. Three times in Paul's life is he separated or set apart, depending on what translation you're reading. He first of all says that he's set apart from his mother's womb. That from his very mother's womb that he was already set apart. Guys, I don't know if you thought about this or not, but the Bible tells us that God is involved in our lives, even in our mother's womb. That we are wonderfully uh, created, knit together by him. And so... And so God is involved in all of our lives. The Holy Spirit is involved in all of our lives in our mother's womb. The second thing that he was set apart for was for the gospel. So at his conversion, he says, I was set apart for the gospel of Christ. Now I know at my conversion, it seems like I've told you this story before, so I won't belabor it, but... When I came to Christ, it would seem like it was a week or two later when I felt like the Lord was calling me into ministry. And I remember exactly where I was standing in our, in our little trailer that we owned at the time. I, I remember the color of the carpet, the orange carpeting. I remember the, the fig tree behind us that our two Irish setters had whipped every leaf off with their tails. You know, there's like a single leaf hanging on it. I remember the tile floor behind me and standing in front of me is my wife, Sandy, and I say to her, we're both standing facing face to face, and I say to her, I, I just feel like the Lord's calling me into ministry. And she looks at me, and with the wisdom only a wife could give, she says, well, he's got a lot of work to do, doesn't he? <laughs> I, said, I said, yeah, he certainly does. And, and so began that journey. But whether God calls you to vocational ministry or vocational farming or vocational engineering or vocational management, no matter what he calls you to, when we come to him, there should be a call upon our lives that God is calling us to something. I am now a believer. Holy Spirit, speak into my life. What do you have for my life? Don't leave me go my own way that I had been going. Assign me your task in this life. And so he's speaks that from, from his conversion. But then here's the third setting aside. For special purposes, this is the assignment of the Lord. What is your assignment? I've shared this story with you too, but I'll do it again for emphasis. Many years ago now, we were serving in another church and Sandy and I were feeling like our ministry there was done. And we kept looking around for other churches and where, you know, just trying to put feelers out, where would God have us and that sort of thing. I remember, I remember being contacted by a church out in Billingham, Washington. Does anybody know where Billingham, Washington is? Okay, a few people. You want to find Billingham, Washington, you go as far west as you can go and still be in the United States and as far north as you can go and still be in the United States. It's right at the very corner, the most, most northwest part of the, 
of the United States, that's Billingham, Washington. So I'm on the phone with a few of their search committee or whatever it was that they were calling me, and one of the people said, Greg, why would you ever want to come to Billingham, Washington? I don't remember what I answered, but I remember in my heart, I'm like, yeah, why would I ever want to go to Billingham, Washington? Of course, that didn't work out. And so we're just waiting on the Lord. To be absolutely truthful with you, we were going to take some time off of ministry because we felt like the Lord isn't leading us anywhere. And I, I said to Sandy, I said, I said, if we don't resign our church, they're going to end up hurting us or we're going to end up hurting them. This is not where the Lord has us. We, we need to move on. And so we had actually made plans to, to move and live near Sandy's parents and just all these things. And we're just going to wait on the Lord. We're just going to wait for him to show us our next step. Well, it was during this time that I get a call from the pastor of Lake City Church, Mitch Milton, and asked, do you want to go out for breakfast? And I said, sure. I knew Mitch a little bit, not that well, but I knew him a little bit. This isn't unusual for pastors to get together over a meal, and, and I didn't think much of it. But during the meal, he said, Greg, what would you think about coming to um, Lake City and working with our small group ministry? And in a moment... I knew that was the Lord. In a moment. And I thought to myself, God, this is what we've been waiting for. I mean, I'm not saying this, but as he's speaking, I'm like, I'm like, God, this is what we've been waiting for. This is your will for our lives. And of course, everything had to go before elders and a lot of decisions had to be made and those sort of things. But at that very moment, I knew that that was my assignment. I know I'm supposed to be at City Church beyond a shadow of a doubt because God has spoken it. Guys, I think God wants to give us all an assignment. Yeah, he calls us to the gospel from conversion. He calls us to be ambassadors for him. But he also has special assignments for us. That might be in the vocation you're in, that might be in the ministry that you're involved in, that might be in your family. I mean, I, I'm not sure what that is, but I think there's a special assignment that God has for each one of us, a setting aside, a separating. This is my, this is my assignment for you. So the Holy Spirit separates and the Holy Spirit sends. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit they sailed to Cyprus. So there's not, there's not only this, this setting aside, but there is a ascending too that the Spirit does. He's the one that initiates it. He's the one that directs it. And so it was for Paul, a setting aside and ascending. But I want you to notice this before we move on. That up to this point, Paul had spent three years in Arabia, followed by seven years in Asia Minor near Tarsus, and now two years at Antioch. That's 12 years since his call. As far as we know, there were no great exploits that Paul did during that, during that 12-year span. As far as we know, Paul was sitting on a shelf somewhere just doing, doing life. But in a moment, the Spirit speaks. In fact, there is a word in the Greek that's 
as far as I can tell, never translated into English. Every, every Bible translation I looked at, none of them have it, have it. But it's one word in the Greek that's, it's not even a word, it's a particle. It's a grammatical particle that indicates passion or emotion. And some have tried to translate it like, now the Spirit said, or at that time the Spirit said, or immediately the Spirit said. But none of those are adequate because it just conveys emotion. So in the right time, here's Paul 12 years, maybe perhaps wondering what my assignment was. I mean, I can imagine graduating Bible college, thinking you're going into the ministry, and the next 12 years, you're, you know, you're wondering, well, where, what is it, God? Where am I going? But in a moment, the Spirit of God spoke. In the fullness of time, in that chaos uh, moment, God speaks. And this is how fast things change for Paul. At the beginning of the chapter, uh, Barnabas and Saul are, are spoken of in that way, Barnabas and Saul. In the middle of the chapter, during the time with, with uh, uh, Elymas, the magician, during that time, uh, Paul's referred to as Saul, also known as Paul. And then by the end of the chapter, it's Paul and Barnabas. You see, I think Paul is making some huge strides here, that he's become the leader of this endeavor. Barnabas was once the leader, but he's faded now into the background, and Paul has taken center stage. Guys, I just want to encourage you. God has something for you. God has something for you. Maybe you've been waiting on the sidelines for a while. Maybe you've been wondering, what, what does God have for me? God has something for you. In the fullness of time, it'll come. The Spirit will speak it. He will not leave you alone. Be faithful. Be patient. God will work. God will work. The Spirit speaks. The Spirit separates and sends. And then finally, um, the Spirit fills. The Spirit fills. Acts chapter 4 Verse 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified and God raised up, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Peter, filled by the Spirit. One thing I've noticed about being filled with the Spirit, filled by the Spirit, is that there comes a certain boldness. A certain boldness that, frankly, sometimes you need to keep into check. Because you might say things that you really shouldn't be saying. But there comes this sense of almost indestructibility when you're filled with the Spirit. Listen to Stephen in Acts chapter 7. You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did, which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute. They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You who received the law as ordained by angels and yet did not keep it. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and they began gnashing their teeth at him. But being full of the Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven 
and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, being filled with the Spirit. And then again, our verse today. But Saul, who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze on him and said, you who are full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you. You will be blind and not see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist and a darkness fell upon him and went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had happened, being amazed at the teaching of the Lord. This is the effect that the fullness of the Holy Spirit has on our life. And that is the effect it had on Paul and Barnabas, Stephen, and Peter. But let it not be confused with the Spirit of God that comes at salvation. When we give our lives to the Lord, the Spirit of God comes in. In fact, that marks the beginning of our salvation. It might happen when we pray a prayer. It might happen when we lift a hand. It might happen a week or two before that. It might happen a week or two after that. Technically, when we are born again is when the Spirit of God comes in. The Bible tells us that He saved us, not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of His mercy, He saved us by the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit. That's what saves us, the Holy Spirit coming in. I mean, that's the moment of salvation. Of course, Jesus saves us. That's the moment of our, sal our salvation. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about the Holy Spirit that comes in at salvation. Nor are we talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which happens subsequent to salvation, which God has prepared for everyone who believes. This is a subsequent experience where the fullness of the Spirit comes in a moment it comes strictly by grace, and it comes in fullness. It doesn't depend on what we've done, what we haven't done, that God will just baptize us with His Spirit, fill us up with His Spirit in that moment. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I, I truly think that we can be baptized in the Spirit many times in this life. You know, and I pray frequently for people that they would receive a fresh baptism of the Spirit, that which is only done by grace. But being filled with the Spirit, we know from reading Ephesians 5.18 and that section on Ephesians, we know from reading that section that being filled with the Spirit is something that we work at. This is something like, like we're blowing embers into flames. This is something that we're, 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 we're feeding the Spirit of God in our life. Paul says it a different way in another portion of Scripture. He says, set your mind on the things above. He also says in another place, you live by the Spirit, also walk by the Spirit. You see, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we have to abandon ourselves to the Lord. We have to abandon ourselves to Him and say, saying, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And when we abandon ourselves to the Spirit, the Spirit becomes to, to gather life inside us and fullness inside us. And pretty soon, we're full of the Spirit. But note this too, we also have to turn our back on the things of the world, that this world has no claim on us, because the last thing we want to do is grieve the working of the Spirit in our life, hinder the work of the Spirit, rebel against the, the Spirit. Those are the last things we want to do. We want to put that all on the back burner. 
and we put Christ center stage in our lives, that, that fans into flame the work of the Spirit in our life. So let me get really practical about this. I know from experience that when we're together, the Lord moves in our midst. He, he, his Spirit becomes obvious to probably most every one of us. I know in that atmosphere that God speaks into our life. He speaks to us about all kinds of things, both good and bad. That's why there's so many, so many tears on occasion, you know, because God is speaking, God's renewing, God's, God's doing something in our lives. But the key is, is to take that outside the building. We can be filled, if you will, with the Spirit in here, but we also want to be filled with the Spirit on Monday and filled with the Spirit on Tuesday and filled with the Spirit on, on what's next, Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. We want to continue to be filled with the Spirit. Guys, what is that going to take? Church every day? <laughs> that would be one answer. Another, another answer would be Stoke those flames in your own heart. Have a time of worship with the Lord. Seek his word. You know, prophesy over one another. Let God become rich in daily life. That will fill us up with the Spirit. God wants to fill us with the Spirit. He wants to demonstrate it by baptizing us in the Spirit, but He wants us to walk in this fullness of the Spirit. Here are the two main things you can do. I've already mentioned them a little bit. Let me be clear. Turn your back on the things of the world because it grieves the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is trying to do something fresh and new in your life, and when you, when you pay too much attention to all the, all the nonsense and, and uh, destruction and all that going on in our society, it, it actually takes you away from the Lord. So turn your back on the world and focus on Him. Set your mind on the things above. And believe, believe me, that will change your life. That will transform your life. It might take a period of time to develop that in your own life, but if we can be filled with the Spirit, God will use us in unbelievable ways. So here's my admonition to you this morning. Number one, Listen to the Spirit speaking in your life. Listen to Him speaking. He wants to speak clearly. He wants to speak often. And He wants to speak specifically. That's His desire, to communicate with you. And so it might just mean putting yourself in a posture where you can hear better from Him. Secondly, the Spirit separates and sends. So know this, that God has a destiny for you by His Holy Spirit, that God has a destiny in this life, that He has an assignment for you, that from conversion, He's called you apart for the gospel, but beside that, He has a, a very specific assignment for you. And you can know what that is. You can know what that is. And then lastly, be filled with the Spirit. This is... This is the Spirit's desire for us to fill each one of us, that we can live by His Spirit. Guys, we don't have to be under all the, all the uh, can't think of a good word, I'm going to say garbage that this life has to offer. We don't have to be underneath all that. We can be above that. 
as we set our mind on the things above, as we pursue Him, that He becomes the priority in our life. And the Holy Spirit will begin to blow on your life, and your personal life will not only change, but those people around you will change as well. How does that sound? Not bad. Why don't we stand together? I want to pray over you, and then we'll be, we'll be done. So if you just close your eyes and shut yourself in with the Lord, this is a it's a very private time because it's just you and the Lord. And I just feel like sometimes when our eyes are open, we just get distracted by different things. And so I just, I just encourage you, just make an altar to the Lord with your eyes closed, your head bowed. It's just you and the Lord. I know you're here today. And you haven't made that decision to follow Jesus. You've been kind of putting your toe in the water and kind of feeling that out, but you have yet to abandon your life to him. You have yet to take yourself off the throne and put him on the throne. But today, you want to make that decision. So we're all going to pray for you in just a moment. Secondly, you're here today, and you know, it's just been a while since you've thought about some of these things. You've gotten, you've gotten kind of carried away with the things of this world, with, with your job and with family and with all these other things, and you've forgotten just a little bit about the Spirit working in you and through you. It doesn't mean you haven't been doing ministry. It just means that you've forgotten about this very personal part of the Trinity that's living in you and working through you. Today, you just want to turn that around. You just want to be more sensitive to the Spirit and more filled with the Spirit. So I'm going to pray with you in just a moment as well. So as your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. Lord, I'm praying for this one who's making a new decision for you today. Lord, let it be made real to them in this moment. Let it be made real by your Spirit. Even though they have thought about doing this, now they're making the decision. So Lord, in this moment, by your Holy Spirit, make it real for them that their life would be transformed, changed in an instant, one-step program this morning. Lord, let it be so for this one or these two or these three that are here this morning. And Lord, for those that are here this morning and just been reminded that the Spirit is at work around them and that they too want a piece of that, Lord, I'm praying that this would be something, these words would be something that would take root in their lives and bring forth fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. It would yield such a, 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 a harvest that they couldn't contain it. It would have to be passed on to many, 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 many other people. So, Lord, let it be the case this morning. Let it be the case, not because of our strong will or our desire, but because of the work of your Spirit in our lives. So, Lord, for everyone who desires that, let it come to pass in these moments in the name of Jesus.